You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, credential reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Training caps are set to open around the NBA So, of course, you'll have questions about the Miami Heat over the next few days. I'll be tackling a number of those questions about the team. One question per segment, three segments per episode to get you started. Now, the Heat will be holding Zoom calls with players throughout the week, so maybe we'll get some clarification on some of those potential questions that I'll be answering. Who knows? It's a risk. I'm willing to take it to give you the answers that you need to get you ready. On today's show, I'll be talking about Goran Dragic's playing time, what's left of Jimmy Butler's tank, but I'll start off with a question about who starts. It seems like it's been brewing around Heat Twitter for some time now with a number of changes made throughout the offseason, some key players lost in free agency, etc. Who starts is, I think, of interest to players. Uh, to, I'm sorry, to fans. And I'm not so sure if we have any clear answers there. My, my feeling is that we'll see some things play out differently. Just for example... The Heat were supposed to provide two starters or make two starters available for Zoom calls on December 1st. That's today, Tuesday. And also Eric Spolstra. Other teams around the league have followed suit. The Heat, Spolstra isn't available. And the two players that are be answering media calls today are Precious Achua and Kendrick Nunn, both of whom are not likely to start. So Spolstra, typically, keeping things close to the vest. He's not really sharing any information about who will be starting and who won't be. So I'm left to make my own decisions, make my own thoughts on the subject. My feeling is that at least two positions are already set pretty clearly. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Those are likely to be the starters there. I'd say there's a very good chance that the third starter out of five is Myers Leonard. I don't think you can add him to the team with a contract that you're paying him and then have him not complain or gripe, but specify that he wants more playing time, more of a role, and that you bench him. Like That just doesn't seem to be likely to me. Now, I understand there's a big payday for Myers if he stays here. I understand that there's a comfort level here with the system. He likes being in Miami. He and his wife both like living here in South Florida. At the same time, I don't think you bring him back on that contract unless you're going to restore him to the role that he had in the regular season prior to the Orlando bubble. Now, I've also seen some concerns about whether or not Duncan Robinson starts, and my feeling is that he will. I think he provides too much offensively, and whatever weaknesses he might have in the defensive end are more than made up for because of his incredible offense, his gravity as a shooter, and the points per possession that he creates on offense whenever he's on the floor. He is too good a shooter, too dangerous a weapon. And now I have concerns about whether or not that will be something he's able to reproduce now in his follow-up season after a strong breakout performance last year. We saw several teams be able to take him out of his comfort zone during the playoffs. I don't know if you can maintain that sort of intensity, that edge, that focus on limiting what Duncan can do during the regular season. At the same time, I think that he's going to try to do his best to continue to be a strong scorer and hopefully continue to diversify his game, something I'll talk about later on this week. So you've got four stars there. A fifth, to me, it's pretty clear it's Tyler Hero. 
Now, again, as far as the Tyler situation is concerned, what are your other options? Can you start Goran Dragic? Not likely. He's just not in a position at this point in his career, at his age, to be able to play consistent minutes for a long period of time. He can't. He's going to be coming off the bench, and that's fine. He's going to be going up against second-string players. Second-string, that's unfair. Uh, he's going to be going up against reserve players, and you know, I, I think it's to his strengths. Like He had a very strong regular season, and yeah, he had a strong playoff as well in the Orlando bubble, but I think you don't want to continue to put that wear and tear. We're not quite sure about what his health level will be when he does return to action. You don't want to force the issue by having him try to guard some of the top point guards around the league. Throw Tyler to the Wolves there. And if that's the case, your other options, what are they? Avery Johnson? I'm sorry, Avery Bradley? Kendrick Nunn? I don't think Kendrick's going to take a strong leap. I don't think that we're going to see a much much growth from him considering what his role was and how it had become diminished over the last few weeks of the playoff bubble. And so you can start Avery Bradley. You're giving up some of the offense that I think Tyler provides. Now, here's the, the interesting thing there. I guess, theoretically, you could start Tyler and Avery Bradley, have Jimmy slide to the three, and then take Duncan out of the starting lineup. I think that's what a lot of people are suggesting. Because otherwise, yes, I understand you do have three sub-defenders and Hero, Duncan, and Myers Leonard. I, I can understand why you might have concerns about starting three players that are not great defenders at their individual positions. Now, there's hope that Tyler can take some leap in this second year. I, I'm not sure how much we'll see from that, but that's the hope. Duncan, similarly, you hope that he has some strong showing there. But I, I think you can do enough tinkering with the starting lineup where, in theory, you can occasionally bring Bradley off the bench. Um, you can throw him in there as part of the second. If, if Tyler's getting cooked or if Duncan's getting cooked and his shot's not falling, or if he's getting into foul trouble, something that did happen to him on occasion, then you bring in Bradley, and you're not really missing much. I think Bradley's at a point in his career where, although he had a number of starts last year for the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm sure he's comfortable coming off the bench. We'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting development for he camp. My feeling, again, is that Tyler, Jimmy, Duncan, Bam, and Myers are the starting lineup. As far as Myers is concerned, again, if you don't start him, and he does provide some size, obviously, some rebounding on occasion. Not much as far as rim protection is concerned, but he does stretch the floor, so it's a complementary skill set to Bam and Abayo. What are your other options? Can you bring in Precious Achua? No, I don't think he's ready yet. Chris Silva is probably still too raw. Is Mo Harkless available? Can he fill the role that Jay Crowder did in the playoff bubble? I don't, I don't see it happening. I, I think Harkless has not shown consistently over the course of his career that he can be the kind of versatile, switchable defender that Crowder is. And if that's the case, then he's a weakness there too. So one smaller sub-defender shouldn't replace a a bigger one that provides a valuable skill set and his floor spacing ability in Myers. So to me, that's, that's the starting lineup. There are questions about it. There are concerns. We'll see if Spolstra changes his mind or whether or not he, he decides to move things around. He has shown that flexibility in the Orlando bubble, and I imagine that he would probably maintain something along those same lines this time around as well. But, of course, there's always the question about who finishes. And to me, I think that's a little bit more clear. Defensively, you know Jimmy and Bam are also going to be out there. Andre Iguodala, even at this point in his career, got that kind of honor from Spolstra during the Orlando bubble, and I think he'll continue to get it moving forward. Avery Bradley seems like a lock there. He is the perimeter defender that you bring in, the point-of-attack defender. 
that you added to make up for the weaknesses of Hero, etc. Now your fifth potential player there in that defensive rotation towards the end of games, to me, I think it's Precious Achua unless we start to see a huge leap from Harkless. It's certainly possible. He's switchable. He's big enough. He can guard bigger fours, I suppose. But I think Achua gives you a little bit more size, a little bit more protection, a little bit more athleticism and explosive ability at the point of attack. So we'll see what happens. That would be my five as far as your defensive closing unit is concerned. Now, if you're looking for a bucket in the waning moments of a game, well, Jimmy and Bam are still getting the nod. Then you bring in Goran Dragic, obviously. I think Duncan Robinson is still the three-point shooter. Although we didn't see that role for him in the bubble, I think he's still a viable option there. And then, of course, Tyler Hero, I think, is your other bucket getter. He's a guy who you know he wants the ball in his hands in those clutch situations. He converted on a number of occasions during the regular season last time. So I think that's your offensive closing unit, too. We'll see some variations of that, I'm sure. It seems uh, like Eric Spolster has some interesting options, as you know, depending on his rotations, what his preferences are. And, of course, there's going to be a lot of issues regarding the shortened season and, of course, uh, the potential for risk uh, risking injury and things of that sort. And speaking of that, there's a huge risk and a huge potential X factor for the season. Jimmy Butler, he had a fantastic first season in Miami. He provided some iconic moments that have already made him one of the top players in franchise history. But can he do it again? I'll talk about that next on the number one Miami Heat podcast for the latest news, rumors, and more. Look, over the weekend, I was wiped out from Thanksgiving celebration. I, I you know, we, we celebrated a day later on Friday. We were filling that whole day up with, you know, consumption of food like most people do. And we also had some good leftovers on Saturday. But, I, you know, at one point there, I just really hit a wall. And, and for me... The solution was built go, just like it always is, and it should be for you. It's a healthy replacement for energy drinks, and it doesn't have any of those fake additives, just natural ingredients that last. And built go comes in one and a half ounce packages, so it's easy to carry with you wherever you go. If you're still going to work, and if you're trying to get through a workout or you know hit the golf links or whatever it is that you like to do, and you start to get a little tired, you just grab a built go, put it in your pocket, get through your day. It's the best workout gel on the market. It comes in three delicious flavors. I like the peanut butter honey. My wife likes the chocolate milk. Mint, excuse me, but chocolate coconut. Really, really good. So how does Built Go work so well? Well, I'm no scientist, but I know that it does combine energy gel with collagen protein that gets absorbed into your system quickly using vitamins, nutrients, honey, and just a kick of caffeine to keep you going strong. And it also strengthens joints, soft tissues, hair, and skin. So not only do you feel good, but you look good too. So visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Later this week, I'll be answering key questions for the team. Uh, Obviously, they start training camp. Make sure you're up to speed. Subscribe to Locked on Heat on your favorite app to listen to podcasts, and I'll always get the newest episodes. The big question for me. What will we see from Jimmy Butler? And I feel like a lot of people already are going to bristle at the suggestion that Jimmy might not be 100%. If you go back a couple of weeks to my exit interview about Jimmy Butler, I spoke to Rowan Carney of Sports Illustrated, and one of his big concerns, as mine as well, is that what are we going to see from Butler as his career continues to move forward? He's 31. He went through a hell of a long season. It was a difficult process for him. 
And I think we start to see already that there are some signs that maybe his offense is suffering. He's shooting 24% from three last year in his one season with Miami, 45% overall from his from the field, both of them towards the lower end of his career spectrum. He also put up 9.1 free throw attempts per game. That's unsustainable. Or if it's not, it should be. You can't get that kind of abuse, getting beat up. And this isn't James Harden selling fouls. Yeah, Jimmy does it. Everybody in the NBA sells contact and occasion. He's getting hammered out there. And that's going to put additional wear and tear. And I hate to say this because I, I don't like to betray the quote-unquote sanctity of the locker room, but I've mentioned this before on occasion. You You weren't able to see Jimmy the way I was after games where he was – toweled up and ices on his icing down his knees and just limping around like somebody twice as old as 31. There's a lot of wear and tear. The Tom Thibodeau years were not kind to Jimmy. I think he had a number of nagging injuries that kept him going throughout the, the regular season. Ankle, wrist, knee, feet. Just these things that kind of just took their toll on him. And maybe that impacted his shooting. Hopefully he's at 100%. But the reality is that there's also a very short offseason. And we already saw Jimmy a week after the Orlando bubble. By mid-October, he's already off working out again. Yeah, he's going on a boat and he's going on a cruise later on. And he sure enjoys himself because, well, why not? You've earned it. But you also have to consider that he's just going to continue to push himself. He's going to work hard because I don't think he knows any other way. And he has those same expectations for his teammates, which is why he's been traditionally a very good teammate, despite everybody's concerns, at least a, a large swath of media members that think that Jimmy is overly aggressive and not a, a good locker room presence. That's not what we saw in Miami last year. So it's not a knock on him. I, I just think that he doesn't know how to take a step back. And that is a concern for me because the, and then the question is, are you costing your team? Because is he going to be available for the playoffs? Is he going to be expected or capable of providing that same boost that he did so often throughout the Orlando bubble? My feeling is that he's not going to continue to expand his range, which would certainly help him prolong his career. If he started to develop a more consistent three-point shot, even back to his career numbers, which were never great, but I'd love for him to be a 33 to 35% shooter. He's not going to turn into Duncan overnight. He's not going to turn into Tyler overnight. That's just not the strength of his game. But a reliable three-point shot that he's willing to take and capable of making, I think that would be huge for him because that would give him a scoring threat that has not been part of his arsenal to date. It would also help prolong his career, keep him off the free throw line, get him uh, you know, to, to avoid some of those minor injuries that he'll rack up over the course of the season. And I just, you know, obviously three points are better than two pointers. So why not take them as often as possible? I mean, this isn't rocket science here. So that's one thing. I would hope that he's also willing to embrace a maintenance program. From the Heat's perspective, look, they did it with Dwayne in the last year of the Big Three era. And while the stakes were a little higher there because, you know, you're, you're risking the loss of LeBron James, who wound up leaving anyway, perhaps because of the maintenance program, but you're, you know you're on a, a title track. That's the whole point of, of acquiring big three-level talent, of getting a, a Ray Allen, uh, a Richard Lewis, et cetera. You're building a roster 
for the point of making a title run. I'm not so sure that this version, the 2020-21 version of the Heat, has that same goal in mind. Yeah, of course, they always want a champion, win a championship, but you don't go necessarily as all-in or else we probably would have seen some different moves take place over the offseason. Either way, I think in it with 2013-14 with Dwayne, you had to put him on a maintenance program. It was a lot more further along than, than Jimmy's own injury issues. And so you had to kind of rest him on occasion. I would like to see something like that, though. I still think that 72 games being played over six months with just a one-week break in March, not enough. Not enough. Considering the short turnaround, considering the abuse that he put himself through in the Orlando bubble, he needs more of a break. So to me, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and I'd like to hear from you if you think I'm way off base here. I'd say he plays no more than 55 games. Now, yeah, of course, there's always the potential for injury, but I'm hoping he takes 17 games off here and there, back-to-backs, whatever they may be, excessive travel. He doesn't seem wired to do so. Like, honestly, I, I know that he probably is going to want to play all 72 games if possible, maybe take a couple of days off here and there. But to me, I think he needs to play no more than 55 games because there's more at stake here. He has to be able to be at full strength for the playoffs. We saw how vital he was to Miami's success. And yeah, he may not be necessarily be Miami's best player anymore. That honor goes to Bam now. But he is still a key part of the team moving forward. He's still a driving force when it comes to win and, and success. And if that's the case, he needs to be healthy. That's just that's just the way around it. He has to be at 100% or close to it. And if that's the case, then as an organization, as a team, as an individual, he has to be willing to accept that he needs to be able to take a step back, play less games, preserve himself for the big run. And I think it helps his team. You want to be able to see what you get out of Mo Harkless. You want to be able to give Kendrick Nunn some opportunities too. Avery Bradley should get the starting knot on occasion, especially if Jimmy's not capable. You don't perhaps lose that much defensively. You'll lose something offensively for sure, but then that gives Spolstra the opportunity to tinker lineups. We're going to see unprecedented levels of change throughout the regular season because, well, it's a very unusual one. I know that Spo has coached a shortened season before. He did it during the Big Three era, but he was relying on perhaps a lot more top-end talent. It's not quite the same roster. That's not assembled the same way for the same purpose. It's about longevity, preservation, and the ultimate goal of being healthy in the playoffs. And if that's the case, then you need Jimmy to be able to take a step back on occasion. I think he'll be willing to do it at this point in his career. I'm curious to see how it plays out, but that's one of the questions I have going into training camp. Another one, well, the Dragon's back in Miami. There was never really much doubt about that, but where and how often does he get to fly on the court? I'll talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. So I had time in between segments to consider whether or not I was being a little too negative here. And I can understand why some of you might think that anyway. I don't want to harp on this past team and everything that they were able to accomplish and just focus on the negative. But I think these are legitimate questions. And I think you all should be having some understanding of what's at stake here not you know you don't want to risk Jimmy's long-term health you don't want to risk this season and so you have to have concerns about whether or not he's going to be available to play if his style of play is such that is conducive to 
improved health. And moreover, now our next question, what does Goran Dragic do? Because I think that's a much more obvious and pressing concern, given that we already saw him sustain a major injury when his minutes were increased, when he was playing a bigger role as an offensive creator. And given everything that we saw from him in the Orlando bubble, it's clear that he can still play at a high level. How does he bounce back? Now, we've seen reports already. He said that he's healthy. He's interested in playing as much as possible. We have not heard from him as media members just yet as far as whether or not he sees himself ready to go from day one or things of that sort. Regardless, let's move forward the assumption that he is going to be available on December 12th when they have their first preseason game. That seems so close to now. It seems like just a few days away. And, and well, in fact, it really is. But I can't believe the season's about to start. And if he does play from then that point forward, and I, I have no reason to think that he has not, you know, indicated that there's any kind of health issues. I'm hoping that they'll work him into the lineup slowly, that he'll just he can take the preseason off. We know what we're going to get from Goran. If he doesn't play until, until December 22nd, that'll still be less than his normal preseason. And yeah, he's not going to have the full advantage of a, a training camp and things of that sort. But I, I think that for Goran, you need to start monitoring his minutes much more closely. And I think that's another reason why you make the acquisition of an Avery Bradley. I had somebody ask me whether or not they still needed to add another top-tier point guard or something like that. First of all, those players aren't readily available. You're not acquiring any of the bigger names out there. You're not acquiring a superstar. And maybe you missed out on the draft, although I'm starting to come around on the Achua selection a lot more than I was on draft night. But as far as filling that need... You've got enough scoring there. If you're looking at the ball handler position, the point guard position, whatever you want to call it, because, again, positions don't exist, and we all have to kind of wrap our minds around that. There is no true point guard here. Nobody's initiating offense that isn't named Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo. Yeah, on occasion it'll be a Tyler Hero. You're pushing the ball up. You're, you're swinging the ball around. It's not like it's a half-court offense, half offense with a slow pace. This isn't the 1980s anymore. You know, think about what was uh, the role for Steve Kerr or John Paxson or B.J. Armstrong on those Chicago Bulls teams. They weren't the point guard. They were just small. <laughs> you know, you had Scottie Pippen bringing the ball up. You had that Jordan kid bringing the ball up on occasion. They were mostly catch-and-shoot players, guys that could dribble, maybe play some level of defense. But, you know, obviously Armstrong... Kerr and Paxson, mostly known for their shooting, they were complementary players. They didn't have to be initiators on offense. And I think that's what you're looking for as far as Goron, Tyler, and Kendrick Nunn are concerned. Maybe Avery Bradley, again, smaller, a wing defender. That's his role. With Nunn, he's going to shoot. You know that much. With Tyler, I think we're starting to see shades of him being able to become much more adept as a passer and playmaker for others. At least that's what we saw from him in the bubble. I'm curious to see whether or not that's the next stage for him is if he's willing to share the ball and if he's capable of – not willing because I think that's unfair. I think if he's w able to frequently share the ball because I think that's the next step for him. Pat Riley talked about that in his postseason presser. I think we can all see when it comes to Tyler, the offense is on point. No need to change that. But everything else you know, might need a, a slight uptick here and there. As far as Goran is concerned – you know, he's never been 
a guy who's going to dish out 10 assists. That's just not his strong suit. He does look to score first. Can he set others up? Absolutely. But if you're looking at what his role is going to be this year, it's going to be a complimentary player. More catch-and-shoot situations, occasionally driving to the hoop. Things that will, in his case, help him prolong his career. The flip side of what Jimmy Butler has not been able to do at this point. So we'll see. I also think he's not going to come. He's not going to start. As I mentioned in the first segment, I think he's going to continue to be a reserve. He's already open to it. We saw that he's capable of accepting that change. It's not a demotion. He's going to play in clutch situations, and he's also going to be able to play and have a bigger role in the postseason when and if Miami advances. But as far as his overall season is concerned, I'd like to see him capped out at 50 games. I know these numbers might seem a little ridiculous. Again, take into consideration, it's the 72-game season. That's not that bad a drop-off. If he doesn't lose any significant games to injuries and he's available to play as of December, whatever, I assume that he'll probably play less than 72 games. At least he should play less than 72 games because he's older, because we need him for the postseason, because the team needs him to be the kind of creator score that he was in the bubble and not a shell of himself as he was in the NBA Finals. Like, I don't know what this team's goals are, and some, that's something I'll talk about in an upcoming episode. But as far as what we know the makeup of this team is, is to always compete and to push for a championship whenever possible. They do have the personnel. They do have the temperament. I think they'll be focused on doing that. I don't know that they have the luxury of the advantages that they had in the bubble which I do believe played a part in their success. Call me negative, call me whatever you like. I apologize for it. Not really. I I really do think it was somewhat of a a fluke seems so harsh because I just think they did take advantage of certain things that everybody had to take advantage of and couldn't. And if that's a fluke, well, so be it. I, I mean, you were able to make the most of your situation. If they had to travel to Milwaukee or Boston or Indiana, would they have swept the Pacers as easily? Maybe not. I don't know. I think Oladipo probably finds a way to play one more big game there. Who knows if Brogdon plays a little bit better in waning moments of games. It's so hard to tell. These what-if situations are impossible to determine any kind of accuracy or accurate prediction as to what might have taken place. But as far as the 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 you know the surrounding situations – the factors that play into whether or not a team succeeds in the playoffs, it's difficult. You have to go through a lot as far as travel, visiting crowd, yelling at you and making you shake your confidence a little bit. Who knows if Tyler Hero has the big games that he does in Boston? Who knows if Duncan is able to bounce back after a couple bad games? You know, these things happen. As far as Goran, got to keep coming back to that. I'd like for him to be able to take a step back. Again, I think 50 games is realistic. I think the Heat training staff and coaches will look at what his season can be like and that's why you bring in a guy like Bradley that's why you have the depth that you do you've got Tyler starting likely you've got Kanan there as a potential scorer off the bench give him some opportunities you get Bradley in there as a defender a guy who can play off of a number of different players there you have versatility with your lineups that's the whole advantage that Miami has You've seen Eric Spolstra be able to change and tinker things and find the, the, the lineups that work best, but this is about preservation. That's the ultimate goal here for me, and I think it should be for the team as well because you're looking at a condensed, unusual season, and whoever survives it, similar to the Orlando bubble, similar to what Miami was able to do in the Orlando bubble, 
I think that's where you'll find success. And maybe things break right for Miami, but you certainly can't afford to risk Jimmy and Goron's health in order to, you know, push for an extra couple of wins here and there during the regular season. I, I look, we don't have any indication just yet. Obviously, things can change over the next couple of months if there's a proven vaccine and people start taking it and numbers fall you know, drastically down. But for right now, given everything that we seem to know about COVID-19 and about the numbers that continue to escalate and get worse around the country and the world, I think we can start to imagine that there will probably be another bubble next postseason. That right now, they're not going to be allowed to have home court advantage. You're not going to have home games the way they did in the past. Because if you're not making any revenue there, why not keep it as safe as possible and reenact what you did last year? Yes, it costs the league a lot of money, but you could probably make a lot of that back by having the bubble situation. So to me, I'm thinking you're going to play 72 games traveling all over the place, and then you might start to think about having the bubble form again. If things have not gone as planned regarding COVID-19 and a vaccine and things of that sort. That's just my feeling. And if that's the case, then all of a sudden Miami has a fair chance of making the finals again. Like I, I think they're just they're better suited for it. And and we'll see what happens as far as the trade deadline is concerned, whether or not they can make any moves later on the season. But for Goron, he needs to be as healthy as possible. There's no point in winning a couple extra games in March or April. Like you want to just be able to get uh, into the top seven seeds and see what happens. Because again, if you do wind up having a bubble type situation, there is no home court advantage. You're not going to get any kind of unfair advantages. Stay healthy. Focus on the postseason. That's the goal. Should always be, always is with this franchise. And rest as often as possible. Anyway, moving forward, again, I'll be continuing to answer more questions about the team leading into the next couple of days before training camp starts. If you want to get basketball smart, however, you should start with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, salary cap analysis, whatever you need. So subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you get podcasts. Remember to get your team every day just by asking your smart device to play Lockdown Heat as soon as you get in your car. And I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you as always for your support. <laughs>